needed this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie. It's good to have you back, by the way. We appreciate it here, and people at home really appreciate it. <laughs> so thank you, everybody at home. I, we're, I'm so thankful. Thank you, Terry, for everything this morning, and thanks for all you're doing and all the lay speakers that are here, you know. Um, a person, a couple of people I want to tell thanks this morning. Um, Tim and Jane, you know, they, they have a great ministry here, don't they? Um, you know, Stacy needs anything. She just calls Tim and Jane, they come and do it, you know, that she knows they'll come. There's certain people, you know, you can, you can call, and, and uh, we're just thankful they're there. But uh, Tim said to us this morning, where's Jane? Puerto Rico. <laughs> She's in Puerto Rico, so I'm not feeling too bad for her right now. Her and her mom are down there visiting family. So that's great. We're, we're thankful for that. Thankful for um, Fred and all that he does back there with the projection and everything. Isn't that great? Then he, it's just a great, it's, it's a ministry, my friends, that it's touching many lives. Um, unbelievable. And then uh, um, it was mentioned, but uh, I think Paul was telling me that there's like 6,000 troops heading over to... Um, uh, Russia and, uh, and Ukraine and um, a bunch of Navy SEALs and Marines. So keep all those folks in your prayers, you know, um, going along with being sent today. Um, we're in Luke chapter 4, verse 21 and 30, if you want to follow along with me here in a minute. But um, as we read the scripture, we know that uh, well, from last week we heard that Jesus was um, preaching all, all over Galilee and ended up in his hometown of Nazareth. And um, <laughs> it, it, it's a powerful thing that uh, uh, he came into the synagogue that day, as it was his habit, and, and sat down and um, uh, did what he was supposed to do, um, proclaim the word. Um, and I'm sure that people viewed him as a strange person, forward-thinking, um, past their mentality of, of uh, waiting and, and uh, striving because he indeed was the person they were waiting for. Um, but like many of us, when we hear God speak to us, we're not ready to respond to it. We're not ready to hear it um, and to cause us to move. And they didn't, I don't think, I don't think they took Jesus too seriously this day. And um, the reason I, I, I think that is because of of just who Jesus was and who they thought he was. Um, when the, just like um, Terry, they would have had, uh, and all the other lay speakers that come up here, they would have had a guy running the show. You know, a chasm, they called him. And um, when he got done giving that uh, uh, parchment to Jesus, um, and Jesus read it and then sat down in the chair, I think what we don't see is that Jesus was there for a couple hours talking and sharing God's word. And, um, and um, uh, the reason I say that is because at one point they say, oh, this guy's pretty cool. You know, he's pretty intelligent. Everything he's saying is good. But um, things turn around real quick. And uh, all of a sudden they make statements like, hey, how does this guy know all this stuff? Isn't this Joseph's son? You know? And then, and then things turn nasty real quick. Let's read the story together. It's in Luke chapter 2. Let's start with verse 21. 
Jesus began to speak to them after he'd read the Isaiah 61 scripture. He said, the, the scriptures you've just heard have been fulfilled this very day in front of you. <laughs> Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed at by the, uh, the gracious words um, that came from his lips. How can this be, they ask? Isn't this just Joseph's son? Then he said to them, See, I think he's been talking for quite a while. And, and he says to them, um, and as they get disgruntled, you know, and he knows their hearts. He says, I guess you're going to quote that proverb to me that a physician should heal yourself. And what's the meaning behind it? In other words, he was doing all this other stuff out in Galilee. Why isn't he doing it there? Oh, boy. Do miracles in your own home, here in your own hometown, like those you did in Capernaum. And Jesus is so tricky. They are, um, they are in a state of unbelief, of not taking him seriously. And I think, I think he says to them some things right here that it, he also says to us that if your unbelief is what's ruling you, you won't hear the truth. So he says to them, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly, all right, you're right, <laughs> things are not going to, get per, are going to get really bad here. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. He's talking about the first king. When the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine uh, devastated the land. Yet, now all these people knew this, you know, knew what was going on. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of the Israelites, any of them. He wasn't sent to the Israelites, but he was instead sent to a foreigner. Now you have to hang on to this, guys, because... Right now, all the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the, the priests, all the people that are listening to this, are get their, they're, uh, they're getting their knives out, okay? Because he says, you remember there was a widow of, of Zephyrah in the land of Sidon. <laughs> and many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elijah. Now he's moved to another, another prophet. You know, he's talking about... Um, 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 Elijah now, he's Elijah, now he's talking about Elijah, uh, and this guy was healed. It wasn't one of the Israelites. It was Naaman, a Syrian. Oh, my. My, things are not good now, friends. Things aren't good at all. What Jesus is saying is, because of the unbelief of Israel at that time in First and Second Kings, Naaman was in Second Kings, because of their unbelief at that time, God did not do anything with the Israelite nation because they didn't want anything from him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't trust him. So guess where he went? To the Gentiles. Do you get that? To people other, other than the Jewish nation. Oh, my. I think there's a little bit more, Fred. Um, when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious like like a, a Presbyterian talking about a Baptist, <laughs> you know, or a Methodist talking about a Pentecostal, you know, those heathens. 
you know. <laughs> Jumping up, they mobbed him. This is his family and friends, people. This is the people that knew him forever from his, from, he was Joseph's son. They knew him forever. These are the people that probably liked him and cared for him and knew his mom, knew his brothers, knew everybody. They jumped up and mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. My friends, this is the Lord, word of the Lord of the, uh, what is it, the word of God for all of his people. Praise God. Praise God. I, I think, my friends, um, what caused the, the sudden upheaval, they probably had been getting stirred up anyways, but when he brought in the Gentiles, that God would bless the Gentiles over them, that was too much for anybody in their right um, <laughs> theological mind to take. They couldn't uh, take it anymore. And... Um, it, it's, it's amazing to think that they thought that the God of the God of gods was no, out for nobody but them, and if anybody else was brought in, it was not right, it was wrong, it was heresy. And the best way you take care of heresy is kill the heresy. So they were going to do that uh, because the Gentiles were nothing but fuel for the fires in hell. They weren't to go to heaven ever. And here Jesus is saying, no, God's love goes to them too. Now, he, he walks right through them. We pass over that. It happens several times in Scripture that Jesus is going to be uh, harmed and he does this miraculous things and just walks right through them. They don't even know where he's at. Um, my friends, you have to think about this real close. Not taking Jesus seriously is, is um, really a scary thing. Because when we don't take him seriously, we're saying um, we have some unbelief in who you are and what you're about. And um, Jesus disappears from them because they weren't going to kill him at that time. Remember, that happens down the road later when his family and friends, all those who um, laid the palms down at his feet as he came in on that, can on that, on that donkey um, um, and walked in. And then a week later, you know, they hung him on the cross. This is the same thing right here, just not done yet because it's not time. Not time. My goodness, friends. We, we don't ever want to not take Christ seriously. To take Jesus and, and have some unbelief about it is dangerous. Do you know why I say that? Do you know why I say that? Here are these people in Nazareth that Jesus loved dearly grew up with him, knew him all well, came back to his hometown and was, was literally tried to kill, tried to be killed. Do you know what the result of that was? Are you ready? He never came back to Nazareth after that. Now that's a heartbreak, isn't it? When we don't take Jesus seriously, he moves on to somebody that does. And it could be a Pentecostal, a Baptist, might even be a United Methodist, I'm not sure. 
But he moves on to somebody that's going to believe in him, trust him, and, and follow what he says. He says to us some things in the scripture that I think are devastating for us and we, should, we shouldn't take it lightly. Because you see, when these people rejected Jesus and his message that day, they were rejecting literally the message of compassion. And if we have that disbelief in our heart, we have no room for compassion. And the trouble of it is, back then and even today, there were charlatans running around telling everybody what they needed to do. I remember, I remember one time telling this woman who was um, widowed for many years, and, and um, I was, we became good friends, and she was telling me one day that she said, you know, I'd just like to get some mail. And I said, you'd like to get some mail? And I, she said, yes. And I said, well, do you care who it's from? You ready, Jeff? And she said, no, I'd just like to get some mail. I said, well, here's what to do. Um, watch Pat Robinson on PTL next time. <laughs> really, isn't that true? Watch Pat Robinson, and then when he gives you the message to send in, don't send him in a lot of money, just $5. $5, and you'll get all the mail you want. Matter of fact, you'll have to ask him to quit sending mail to you. So the next time we met, she did what I told her. I don't know why people do what I tell them to do. <laughs> but she did it, and she was so thankful. She said, you, let me show you the mail I got. And she brought this stack of mail out. And, it, and it had, there was pens and erasers and bookmarks and, and all kinds of stuff. And I said, all for $5? And she said, well, I send him $5 every month now. I said, well, you'll, you got it made, honey. You'll have all the mail you want forever. I'm telling you. Well, there's also the charlatans who say to you, if you give them all your money that you can, they're going, they, their response will be, God, if you do that, give it to me, not to any ministry or anything. Give it to me personally. You know who I'm talking about, these charlatans? Have you ever seen one? Anybody been to one of their meetings? Phyllis and I was to one. And he said, he, the evangelist literally said, the reason I have this silk suit on and this Rolex watch is because I deserve it, and you need to send me more money. We got up and left, you know. But there's charlatans like that all over, from, eternity, from all of time. There's charlatans who come and, and make us uh, do away with the compassion that we should have because we find out that they're nothing but phonies. And Jesus is not one of those phonies, friends. We need to separate him from that group. Jesus is the only one who preached and taught uh, that the Bible stressed nothing more than having compassion for, <coughs> excuse me, for people anywhere. Um, he, his whole meaning was telling us that um, he was there to restore people to wholeness and to give them hope and to help them understand that their actions um, literally uh, show whether they believe or not believe in Christ, whether they um, are in that world of being able to have that compassionate heart because they trust in Jesus. Well, I've talked about this so much that um, we need to, um, um, as a church and in, as individuals, we need to become, like Jesus, creative thinking in our way of doing compassion. Um, one church, and it's still going on, one church in this little town down in um, uh, Marietta uh, area um, um, called, well, no, what's that other town? Cambridge. 
Cambridge area, there's a little town down there that was um, a lot of homeless went through. And so they set up a box. They set up a box and um, put um, disposable things in it, you know, like um, beans, you know, that you could open up and eat, um, and toilet paper and stuff like that for the transients that were going through. Uh, they said, there's nothing else we can do for them um, because they were only there for a second as they were walking through the town, you know. And they would come to the church a lot, and, um, and we decided to put up this box, and it's still going on. Um, one church did after-school tutoring classes on computers because computers were just starting to come in. So they bought a whole bunch of computers and was training kids after school to how to do all this stuff with um, the school board and the teachers and everything. One church um, uh, gives a free dinner away every Wednesday night. Free dinner every, every Wednesday night. Everything's all taken care of. Um, one, one church we did, we, that um, it was in the community, it wasn't our church, but they took care of it. Anything pregnancy, they took care of it. They helped them more people who were pregnant, more ladies than I could ever imagine. One church, a uh, church, uh, I think it's over in um, Fairlawn someplace, they give a bear away every time somebody goes in the hospital. You know, friend, family or com- friends in the community, it doesn't, whoever, if somebody says there's somebody in the hospital, they make sure they get a little bear. Do you know who that is, uh, Sue? I don't know who that is. It's over in Fairlawn. I can see the church, but I can't see the name of it. They give a bear away all the time. And then, of course, we all give clothing away and stuff like that. That's not a, um, an unusual thing, but it isn't. And then there's this one church I know that takes these um, plastic bags and makes mats out of them. Yeah. Is that too wild or what? Oh, bring it up here, Sandy. Yeah, this church I know takes plastic bags and makes, uh, they do all kinds of stuff with them. Can you open it up? Because we're on TV, right? Right, Fred? We want to show everybody at home this. Well, I don't know why it has a price tag on it. Isn't that great? Say that again. Pillows for cancer patients. Yes, that Vicky does. And all the masks you guys have all made too. We don't even want to forget them. Oop. Is that pretty or what? That's compassion right there. That, that's all that is, is compassion, guys. Because somebody's going to be able to sleep on that and not get wet. Not get be on the ground. Yeah. Let's just pray. God, bless this mat. Bless this mat to whoever, whoever sleeps on it in the days coming up. Just give them your blessing and help them to know that someone cares for them. Bless this mat and bless those that have put it together and made it. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Thank you, Sandy. Compassion, friends. We need to be looking for ways to do that. Jesus wanted people like us to experience um, the fact of giving something to somebody for no reason at all except that we love them and care for them and know that they have their struggles. So they rest- when they rejected Jesus and didn't take him seriously, they were rejecting that ministry of compassion. And we, we, my friends, need to take Jesus seriously. 
They also, it's also happened too, when they rejected Jesus and his ministry, they were rejecting that gift that we all should have. It's called kindness. They were not very kind people. When you have that unbelief in your heart, kindness isn't a trait that comes out too often. And if we don't take Jesus seriously, it'll be, it'll be a hard thing for us to do without being criticizing the, uh, the gift and, of kindness on top of it. I, I think the, the scriptures are filled with nothing in these, uh, in these um, gospels of Jesus sharing kindness with people. People that most people think, would think they didn't deserve kindness because of who they were. They were those, those people, Gentiles, you know. And Jesus, well, the woman at the well is a big example. The woman who touched his um, clo- uh, clothes, the rich young ruler that came. Uh, the, just side after side, you could see where Jesus was doing uh, forward-thinking kindness to people who certainly didn't deserve it, but were certainly able to get it because of the separation Jesus had from what should be and could be. So as modern-day disciples of Christ, because the disciples did the same thing that Jesus did, if you listen to them, as they went on their journeys in Acts chapter, in the book of Acts. We should figure out ways to do it. So I've written down some. You ready? You might want to pull your toes and your feet back because it might step on some of them. Kindness. If we are going to believe that Jesus indeed is the Savior of the world and he calls us to be like him, you and I need to find opportunities to give compliments. You get that? We, we always have a lot of room to give criticism, don't we? Compliments are really hard. And I often think about that in sports. My son, my son played base, uh, baseball as a young person one time, one, one, one season, I guess it was. But um, it came, he wasn't happy during all the practice time. And then the first game, uh, there was two coaches, and all they did, my friends, was yell at their players. They, did, they didn't yell at anybody else. They yelled at their players and put them down and made him feel not good. And Sean, when the game was over, said, Dad, I'm going to finish the season off, but I don't ever want to do this again. That's, that's okay. Luckily, his next sports person, his soccer coach, was very encouraging. We need to look for opportunities to give compliments. My friends, they're hard to find today. I had a friend one time that... Um, we were going to have lunch, and he called me, and he said, I can't come. And I said, what's the matter? He says, oh, I bit my tongue, and I can't eat. I said, you bit your tongue? I said, how'd you do that? He said, oh, I did on purpose. I said, what? He said, yeah, you told us. If we have nothing to say nice, bite your tongue. <laughs> we did have lunch. He was joking, but he said, I, I did bite my tongue. You know, we, isn't that... A, Isn't that something? Kindness is not saying what you think you should say. Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. Now some positive ones. I think we should, these cards that we have, I think we we just miss the opportunity and don't quite understand how how powerful they are. So I, I think we ought to send cards to everybody that we haven't seen for a while. And there's many people in our community 
that we haven't seen for a while. Um, I, I, and I, every time I think about this, I think of Dorothy Buswell, you know, uh, 0 2022, 23 days from now, she'll be 100. We should send her a card, you know. I mean, that's just, can you imagine her getting a, like we did with Inez and send her 100 cards? <laughs> Extend a helping hand. We should be looking for ways. Um, not waiting for people to come and ask us. That's what I'm talking about. Not waiting for people to come and ask us. We know when people need a help. I, um, I reached out to um, uh, Sue, uh, Sue and Gary this week, and I said, if you need anything, I said, do you want some meals brought in? She said, no, we're doing okay. Gary's in um, rehab right now up at Avon, just trying to get him strengthened up from his surgery, and then he'll be home. But I said, well, if you need meals, you let me know. And guess what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to call her up again. Do you need any meals? If, you, if she needs some meals or needs something done, we, uh, whoever it is in our lives, that we know that they're having struggles. We should, don't wait for them to call because if, if they're like me and they're like you, they're not going to call, are they? Just go do it. Take them over some soup. We need to extend that helping hand. <clears throat> And then the, the other thing that is high on our priority list that I do, this is what I do, is to make those phone calls. Make those phone calls. And all they are, all they are, are nothing more than acts of kindness. And you could go on with tons more that you do. You know what I mean? I just wrote these ones down. Um, I, I like Rabbi uh, Harold Kushner said, when you carry out acts of kindness, you get a wonderful feeling inside. And he says it's as though God is saying to your body uh, that this is the way that it ought to be. So bite your tongue. Share, share a compliment. Look for a way to reach out and help people. Then do it. Okay, they rejected the message of compassion. They rejected the message of kindness. And then lastly, I think um, because Christ is not coming back in their presence, they have rejected um, God's expectations in their lives. My friends, they were doing, ex they, were, they were sitting there waiting 400 stinking years for what happened in front of them, and they didn't even see it. What happened in front of them was that the, the God the, in the Old Testament with the prophets said, there will be a day. When the Son of Man comes back, and he came, he came, and they who were waiting and ready for it never saw it. So all their expectations were thrown out the window because they're probably still in Nazareth waiting for Jesus to come. <laughs> Amen? If you don't know that they are. I'm telling you. Let me, let me just share this last thought with you. Since I have taken Jesus seriously and believe that he is the creator of this world, the redeemer of this world, the sustainer of this world, because I believe in John chapter 1, the first 17 verses immensely, there's some expectations that I have. And I'm just going to give you a few. There's a whole bunch. I'm just going to give a few that I think we all should have 
So I'm going to change the I to we. We should expect that during the rough times of our lives, the storms of our lives, because we have asked Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, that in those storms, in those times, we would know that he is there with us and that he gives us the things that we need, compassion, kindness, encouragement, hope. He even tries to let us know he understands our craziness. um, We expect, because we believe in Jesus Christ, I think we should express that he will provide an opportunity like the mats. Somebody has to come up with it through the power of the Holy Spirit and say, let's do this. Whatever it is that we are going to reach out and do. um, We expect... Because we believe in Jesus Christ, we take him serious, we expect that no matter what we go through, he doesn't, he doesn't just help us through it, but he is with us through it all the way. It's hard for, for us to explain that, but whenever somebody says to me they're in this tragedy, they're going through this hard time, they're going through this time, and I said it to, um, what's your name, Jackie? <laughs> I said it to Jackie two or three times this week. My heart is with you. Literally, my heart is with, with you when I say that. And it's hard to explain that, how that happens. But I can't go anyplace else. Phyllis and Ann, I can't go anyplace else. Our thoughts, our, uh, um, our dreams, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, are all about what's going on in our lives with each other. Because we have accepted Jesus Christ. Let me give you this last one. Because we have accepted Jesus Christ, I fully expect one day, because I have taken Jesus so seriously at what he says, one day, this old gravity-laden body will meet him in the air, and he'll put that crown of righteousness on my head and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'll have a new body. Me and Phil Sand will be together longer than 15 year, or 50 years. Amen? That's what I expect. I hope that's what we expect as church, as, as people who are in Christ, and that we take him so seriously that there's never a doubt of unbelief in our lives, that we don't have to ever even comprehend that, 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 um, that, uh, 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 arrow of Satan coming in and saying, oh, I got you. And you call yourself a Christian. (laughs) When we take Jesus that seriously, my friends, you can expect a whole lot. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we don't want to miss your compassion. We don't want to miss your kindness. We don't want to miss the expectations of eternity. So help us today If we have any doubt whatsoever, purge us from that, Lord. Purge us from that. Because we know that you have something for us to do. And we pray in our hearts today that we would take you so seriously. We're ready. Ready, willing, and able to give compassion. (laughs) To give kindness. Help us to do that very thing. Literally, help us to bite our tongues and share nothing but love and joy and peace.
to all your children, not just our friends, not just our family, not just the people we work with, but everyone you send our way, Lord. Use us. Here we are. God, we pray this today in our hearts that are filled with you, with your Son, with the Holy Spirit. We expect these things, Lord, because you have promised. We pray this in your Son's name today and for his glory. And all of God's children said, Amen. Oh, my.